All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Footwork is brought to you by... The Talent Project is America's bridge to Europe for the elite few, providing opportunities for young American players that they can't get in the United States. We're looking for a few good men. Visit us at www.talentproject.com and see if you qualify. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Leo Fernandez is a Brazilian-born, Long Island-raised professional soccer player for the Tampa Bay Rowdies and the USL Championship, USA's second professional tier. After 10 years as a professional, Leo arguably just had his best season to date, winning the league MVP award. How do you stay at the top of your game, learning every single day, secrets to success, and a path to be pro no matter where it ended up? Enjoy. So Leo Fernandez, welcome to Footwork. Thanks for having me, guys. So we want to start off with a, I feel like I know the answer already, but a nice first icebreaker. Who's going to win this World Cup? (laughs) Yeah, come on, man. Uh, Brazil. <laughs> what are the but, reasons? One, I'm, I'm born Brazilian, so I have to say that. Um, but no, honestly, I think with with just uh, their team, their team chemistry is honestly one of the best it's been since I can remember. You know, 2002, no issues off off the pitch, uh, and now with Neymar back, you can see like how much cre- how much space he creates for Vinny and and Rafinha and even Richarlison. And so I think with with them, I feel like they're the most balanced team and, and the team chemistry and, you know, those are just some small reasons why I think they're going to win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're just so strong offensively too. It's insane. Yeah, and so so much experience in the back with Thiago and, and Marquinhos too, so. Yeah. All right, well, we'll follow that up with a little start bench cell, a little left winger action. Mara Sane Saka. Oh, man, let's see. I would start. See, look, so that's a tough one. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start. Uh, so Mars. I'm gonna start Mars. I love Mars. Love the way he plays. Cuts in such silky feet. And then it was who was it? Saka and Mane. Sane. Oh shoot, Sane. Yeah, Sane. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. So I'm gonna. Is it bench? I'm gonna bench Sane and then so Saka. Just I love Saka though. But it's a tough one. Know. It's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, really tough one. The young one no layup on, gone. No layup on that one. No, no, definitely not. Yeah. All right, back into some more serious things. Uh, we have a motto here: make your own path. Essentially, meaning to follow like your dreams. You're not held to the normal roots; they don't fulfill you. So, what does making your own path mean to you, and how do you feel like you've done that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think for me, like when I was growing up, I, I the number one goal was to make it pro. Um, no matter how I got there, I was going to, I was going to be a pro and, you know, sometimes it, it, it may have blinded me to, to, you know, uh, just live in that moment. But I think, um, you know, I went to, I went to college, not even a really big division one school. And I never knew if I was going to get drafted or, you know, play in MLS, but, my dad always said, like, no matter what happens, like, if you don't make it in the U.S., I'm going to send you to Brazil and you're going <laughs> to make your path there somehow. So I think for me, like, 
no matter what I was going to, no matter where I was going to end up, I, I think I was going to be a pro, whether it was in Brazil, South America, and Europe. So I was going to make my path no matter, no matter which way it went. Now, who are you? Where were you? And where are you going? Yeah, name is uh, Leo Fernandez. Um, still a pro, 10 year, 10 year in the game now. And I, I hope to, to keep playing for a little bit longer. Uh, now my, my reasons for playing are, are a little bit different. I have a family, two kids, so, you know, I play for them each and every year. Um, and I hope to, to keep playing. My son is, is getting into it now. He loves watching the games. He loves watching the world cup with me and I hope to keep inspiring him and, and the younger one. Mm. So what changes? I mean, obviously, you know, you have a family and, and everything changes, but for you on the field, how has that kind of changed your mindset? How has that changed your seasons? Yeah, little little by little, I think you 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 realize that you know you can't you can't keep the same habits that you had when when you were younger. You know, when you were in your younger days, and you realize that that you really have to to just keep doing all the right things if you want to keep playing longer and longer. You can't really you know, just hang out with the boys every night or you can't like go out and, and celebrate, uh, you know, after games every, every time, cause you have a family to go back to. But yeah, I think really what's helped me is, is really my, it's kept me balanced. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really taking care of my body each and every, every day now. So it's not like some that, that I was going through every week. Now it's a, a daily thing every hour. How can I get ready for the next practice? How can I get ready for the next game? So stuff like that. I mean, that it certainly um, has shown through your career in this past season. I mean, you, you're maybe perhaps hitting your prime at 30. Most career appearances in a season this year. Um, so it obviously speaks to your taking care of yourself on and off the field a little bit Now, what changes particularly have you made over the years to get to this point where now your football is, is the best, but also maybe how you take care of your, your body physically and mentally? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of everything, you know, just getting that experience, getting getting more more minutes under my belt, getting more games in, and then also, you know, figuring out what, what makes me feel best and, you know, figuring out my, my routine and, and my eating habits. So, you know, it's a lot of trial and error, you know, everyone, everyone goes through it. Everyone has, you know, their, their ups and downs. But I think this year, like, I really, you know, figured out what really works best for me. But you know, I like to, whenever people ask me, like, how are you doing your, what you're doing right now in your 10th your year? And I think for me, like, I've always been like a late bloomer. I know, like, I never went to like the best school. And then I, I started, I, I started having my, my best years, you know, my junior and senior year. And then I always kept that mindset. Like, I still feel like I'm getting better. I still feel like next year I'm going to be even better. So I think for me, it's really just you know, keep thinking that I'm getting better and then always trying to, to do, you know, the things off the field that, that are going to make me better. Was that always kind of in your head? I know we'll get into your path and your career path uh, in a bit here, but, you know, you had a, a, a few loans, you were first drafted, and now it seems like you said after 10 years, like maybe a little bit of a late bloomer. Did you always have that in your head? Like, you know, instead of the doubt that, you know, your best seasons were ahead of you, you always kind of thought, no, like there's still more to come. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, with me, like I, I, I've always been a player that, especially in training, like I know what I can do. Like I know the skills that I have. I'm very good offensively. I can score goals and, and you know, create so much. And I feel like in training I would do it, but it wouldn't always, you know, 
come out in games. So I think if I just had, you know, one or two or three good games in a row, I feel like I can just take over a season. And I mean, that's what really happened this year. I feel I was, I had a couple games in a row and I, and I never looked back and every game I just kept going and going. Yeah. I mean, just to even catapult off of this, this topic of this season, MVP of the 2002 USL season. I think there's some, some claps are in order right there. Thank you. Very nice. Very nice. I mean, yeah, just speaking out, we spoke a little bit just before, but one, what does that moment mean to you to get this recognition, especially in your 10th year after all of these career appearances and especially for a team like Tampa Bay, who you've been with for, for quite some time now. And how do you feel like those moments were able to click on the field you take from training onto into games? Yeah. I mean, for one, it was, it was, it was amazing to see, you know, my family, when, when I told my family, they were, they were, you know, ecstatic. My wife, she like started crying, you know, me, I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's just an, another day. I'll try to yeah. do it again this year, but she was, yeah, she was crying. Cause she knows, she knows how it is. Like she knows all the work that we put in, you know, behind the scenes. Nobody, nobody sees that, but she does. And yeah, my family back home, they were super, super happy, but you know, I feel like, Everyone asked me, but I think this year has just been a bunch of little things coming into play. So the past like two, three years with the with the rallies, I've been playing like a left wing, left mid, and then this year I've gotten my chance to play as a ten, you know, right underneath the striker. And I've always felt like that was my best position. But you know, like you're gonna play whatever the coach wants to wants wants you to play because you you want to be on the field no matter what. And in the past two or three years, we we've done so well. We won the league. We we made it to the finals two years in a row. So you're not gonna. You're not going to be like, hey, why am I not playing 10? And he's going to be like, well, we're winning every game, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to change anything. And then this year we had a little bit of a rough start, and he put me in my in my favorite position. And and I guess that that all, that was another big reason why I was able to get you know so many goals and, and assists. Footwork.club, the official website for all things footwork, is now live. Check out all Footwork podcast content, including episodes, guest features, and YouTube videos. The Press, a section with written articles, interviews, and blogs from ourselves and guests. Game Time, updates about our season in Germany and what's going on behind the microphone. Want to go pro? Dedicated to helping soccer players follow their dreams with helpful info and our consultation sign-up. That's a free video call with us to connect and ask anything. And of course, the Footwork Shop. We got some of the best merch around as well as free PDF templates like a CV builder and much more. So join the club at footwork.club. And obviously, great success this season personally uh, as a team, finishing third in the Eastern Conference and then Eastern Conference Finals. Of course, it could be disappointing uh, to have the season end a bit short, but how do you look back at it and uh, what are you looking to build on for next season? Yeah, you know, with, with, with the Rowdies, they, they expect us to win every year. Uh, we have, you know, the, one of the highest expectations in, in the USL. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't a great year, um, you know, with the trophy-wise. But we, we did see a lot of positive. We scored the most goals in the league. Um, we had, I think, yeah, we lost, We came in third by one point, and then we didn't in first by a couple points. So it's the little things. But when you look at it, the overall big picture, I thought it was a, a pretty good year. Obviously, you know, final was the final. We lost in overtime. But uh, overall, I feel like it was it was a good year for the team. But you know, we, we want that third star and, and no matter what happens, if we don't get it, then it's, we, we, we see it as a, as a failure. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I mean, as one of the guys who's been there for a while, 
regardless if you wear the captain armband or not, like you are considered a leader. How do you feel like your leadership technique helps bring out some of the best in, in your teammates? Yeah. Um, yeah. Me, me, myself, I'm not, I'm not one of those like rah, rah guys in, in the locker room yelling. I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, show by example type of player putting in, putting in the work, you know, getting there early and then leaving one of the last ones to leave. And, and guys see that, um, and what we built here in Tampa, it, it wasn't, you know, a year-to-year -year thing. I've been here since 2017 and 17, 18, we were not very good. Um, you know, there's been a lot of changes, but I think we, we, we've been able to, to build a, a team culture and it's, that's, that, that promotes winning and, you know, team camaraderie and stuff like that. So people see it on the outside and when new players, when they come in, they, they realize like, how easy it is to, to join this team and to fit right in. And, and I think that that's a big reason why we've been so good, you know, the past three, four years. And I, I always tell people it's, it's not easy. Like we've had a bunch of, of rough patches. Um, but I think uh, I wouldn't say I'm, a, I would say I'm, I'm not a big part of it, but I've, I've helped uh, along, along the years. Modest, very modest. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just speaking on, speaking on that, because you have, You've seen Tampa Bay not at its best. I think when you're in it, maybe it can be a little bit tough to see the reasons, but having both sides of it now, what are some of those things that you feel like changed, whether it was in the culture or the values or in the way it was structured? What kind of is, I guess, necessary do you feel from seeing both sides of it to have a successful club and team? Yeah, I a big part is, is, is your coach, you know? And I think for me in 2018, this, this is a interesting story. So I don't know if you know, but Neil Collins is our coach right now. And I, I used to play with him in the Rowdies in my first two years. So midway through the season, we're having a bad year and our old coach gets fired like on a Wednesday. And then Thursday we get called in for a team meeting. He was like, Oh, the, the gym is like, Oh, we're going to introduce a new coach. And so me and my locker room, you know, we're like, somebody's missing. And Neil Collins wasn't there. He, was, he just played center back for us last night. He played 90. We're like, where is this Where is this guy? Did he, like, quit? He's, he's like, 35. So we're like, all right, maybe he retired. Well, he, like, two minutes later, the GM goes out. Neil Collins is your head coach. Comes in with a suit. I'm like, no way. <laughs> he was just my teammate last night. But yeah, no. To be fair to him, he's he's been he's done an unbelievable job, and he's he's Scottish guy, so you know how super intense. Um, he completely flipped the switch. Um, so I give full credit to him to to building, you know, the rowdies to where we're at today, and he's been un unbelievable. Going off on a bit of a tangent, as a Chelsea fan, Joe Cole was on that team when you were in your early stages, right? Yeah, Joe, Joe, so my first year in 2017, we were actually pretty good. We made the playoffs, and Joe was still really, really good. He was unbelievable. Like, he could still move, get in those pockets, and had an unbelievable shot with his left and right foot. But, yeah, in 2018, he knew it was his last year, and he was getting a little bit older. So he wasn't as good in 2017. But, yeah, that year when Neil took over, he also became, like, a player coach. So <laughs> that year we had some – it was a little – very interesting year. But uh, yeah. dynamic. Yeah, exactly. But Joe was an unbelievable guy. Um, yeah, he still he still he comes and visits all the time, and 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 he he keeps up keeps up with us and sends us messages all the time. Did he take any away from 
anything from his game because you guys are a bit similar position when yeah, you're no. Yeah, I think for sure the way the way that he just sees the field and, and gets into spaces where you know the center back isn't sure to step or or, or not. So those are the things that I, I I've always looked at, especially in player like you said in my position. How how can how can I get better by just you know looking at these guys that have played at the highest level? Right. Now walk us through a day in the life, training day and a game day. Okay. Um, yeah. So training, we it's it's Florida, so it's really really hot. No, no matter what what time of the year it is. Yeah. So we, we have to be in the building by 7.45. So I, I usually wake up like 6.30, um, you know, have my breakfast here. And then, yeah, drive drive to the training ground. Uh, 7.45, we, we have to be in the building. We start at 8.30. So you do like your normal prehab stuff. <clears throat> so we're training 8.30. So with the rowdies, it's really, really efficient. We're not on the field by longer than an hour and 15, hour and 30, because you you can't. You really can't. It's so humid, so hot, or especially during the summer. Yeah. So then we're done by, yeah. We we'll say say we're done by like nine forty-five. Depending on the day, we'll have like a lift. After the lift, we'll get we'll get lunch together. They 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 give us food, and then I'm usually home. I'm home by like twelve one, and then this year I started. I'm I'm trying to get my degree again, so finish my degree. Uh, so I'm I set up like two hours just to to do some schoolwork. And then by three, I have to go pick up my son at school. And then it's his time. He, I do whatever he wants to do. And what? Where is, he, where, is he t- where is he taking you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, usually in the backyard, we're playing. I'll sit in the shade, and I'll just, like, roll him the ball, and then he'll do it. <laughs> but smart, I, I yeah. told him, I, I'm either not going out. If I'm going outside, I'm in the shade, or I'm finding a place with AC because I don't, I don't go to the beach or anything like that. It's way too hot. <laughs> And what about a game day? What is that looking like? Yeah, game day, very, very simple. I think just I wake up, I get some breakfast, make some breakfast, like two eggs, toast, nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, yeah, just trying to think this year. Like, yeah, I had my routines on. I'm very superstitious, so it's I don't know if it's like a good or a bad thing, but yeah, I'll do I'll do um, eat my breakfast and then go for like a walk because that's what we do on the road. We go for like a walk. So I'll do that walk around the block. Uh, I'll get like an hour in of like my homework just to get my mind off the game. And then hopefully there's a game on too. I could put that on. Uh, have like a, a little bit of a, you know, peanut butter and banana sandwich. Take like an hour, hour and a half nap. Get my pregame meal and head to the stadium. Nice. Very nice. It's I like how you said that kind of you do some schoolwork to take your mind off the game because it can be the other way around too where like, soccer is the release from from school so it's nice that you kind of have that balance where both things maybe take your mind off the other yeah for sure i think for for me it's really that our game's always at 7 30 so it's just a long day you know right. for me to do something that that can you know pass the day make the day go go along faster yeah it, that's that's what I, that's why i do it and you know i feel like 7 30 it takes forever to, to get here and and I just want I just want the game to be here, and so we can play. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Do you have any? I mean, do you want to share any of those superstitions besides the walk? Do you have any, like right before game day, or you jump in yeah. left foot onto the field yeah. first? Or yeah. So in the beginning of the year, we were struggling. Like I think we we had one of our worst starts in, in since like since Neil took over, and then 
I think it was like the day before the game, I found like this playlist on my phone. It was just called Good Good Vibes Playlist. And like play, we played it the day before the game and then on my drive to, to the game and we won. So ever since that game, which was in like April or May, I played it every Friday before the game and every every drive to the game. And by the end of the year, I knew every song on the playlist. And like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't my, it's not even my favorite genre. You know, I, I'm more right. of like New York, you know, like hip hop and stuff like that, but whatever it takes. And then when there's this, like, when I'm driving to the stadium, there's this like little pothole. It's not too big. I always make sure to drive on top of it just to be like, uh, cause I remember the day I drove on top of that score, like two goals. So I'm like, all right, let me do that again. It's, I love it's that. very weird stuff, but I love you know, it. It's all mental, you know? I love yeah. it. I just, I just love the image you belting out some Katy Perry and going for potholes. I mean, <laughs> it was, the, I think the number one, well, the thing is all everyone on the team loved it too. So I think mm-hmm. that the, the number one banger was like just dance by Lady Gaga. So amazing. Yeah. I'm not surprised I mean, to be it honest. Is a I'm banger. not surprised. Yeah. To a certain set of people, you know, it's funny you say that too, because the other day, like the, one of the guys took over on DJ here and played call me maybe. And it was really? like so surprised, but it everyone was like in a good vibe after that. It was crazy. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what you need. You just need some, especially before the game. You just need good vibes and get ready to to go to work. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Now I want to come all the way back to the beginnings. We hinted at it a little bit in the first questions, but I mean, father was a professional in Brazil, correct? Yeah. Yep. So you have three brothers, and I we in preparation for this, we read a few stories about how you would try and take them all on at the same time to see how long you could hold on to the ball and that your father built a, a wooden net frame in the basement for everyone to practice. So, you know, it's these details that you read about and, you know, they lay the foundation for so many like, like-minded success stories, especially in, in footy. So I would love if you could tell us a little bit more about those root years, you know, some things that drove you to want to be a pro, any stories, you know, reflection about, how important these years were and how that upbringing shaped you. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, yeah, growing up with three younger brothers, we, we were playing two V twos and one, one versus three every, every single day in the backyard growing up. Uh, But yeah, I think what really, what really, who really pushed me was my dad. Um, I really, I wanted to play pro like he did. He played 10 years in Brazil, big small clubs, second division teams, but yeah, he played 10 years and, before I, before I started pro, I was like, I want to play 10 years just like you. And, you know, happened to have my best year in my 10th year. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep going. But, um, yeah, I think it was him that really pushed me because when I was like 13 and 14, uh, when, when I would finish school, my dad would send me to Brazil, you know, for, for two months and, and to like one of those in like, like Sao Paulo where they have like these academies. So like they have from like 12, well, probably like 10 to like 18. And then when you get to 18, they sell you to like Sao Paulo, Palmeiras, all the big teams. So yeah, I, I remember that was a huge eye opening for me when I first got there at 13. Uh, and like, I didn't, they had a spot where you stayed with the, the teams with like the players that live there, or you can stay at the, you know, the, the, the place where the kids are just like visiting and training mostly for like players from like, you know, the U S that they knew that were just, they were just going to visit and train. My dad made me stay with the, with the guys that are on the team, like fighting, you know, for positions and, you know, for a job, really. So, like, my first week, I get there, and, like, nobody would talk to me. And, you know, my Portuguese wasn't the best because, you know, I was living in the U.S. for so long. 
So I'm like, why is no one talking to me? Like, they're all like, you know, tackling me from, from behind. And, you know, I had to tell these guys, I'm like, guys, I'm just here to train. I'm not here to like, you know, take anybody's spot or anything like that. So after I told them that I became like their best friend, you know, cause you, guys, <laughs> you know how it is. Like they, you, you're on trial and they think they, th they thought I was on trial and I'm like, guys, I'm not on trial. I'm leaving in two months. So don't worry. So then after that, they were all cool with me. But that was the eye opener because like you've seen each and every day, these kids like they don't have anything like they're there just to make it pro. So like every session is just, you know, dog eat dog. So that was mm -hmm. the biggest like eye opening for me when I was like 13, 14. I would go back every summer. Did that begin to change your mentality in terms of the difference and how bad people want it and how, how much are the levels of commitment? Yeah, for sure. I you know, it, it, especially, you know, back in, back in, when I was growing up, we didn't have like these academies like they do now, you know, like they have NYFC, Red Bull, even Queensboro now on, on Queens and Long Island. So for me, I didn't, didn't really understood. I didn't understand what it took to, to go pro. And I think that one, that really helped me to understand, like, I got to be training each and every day as, as hard as I can to even like get close to, to making it pro. How do you feel like the differences in the soccer style kind of helped shape you too? Because America and American coaching is, has to be a lot different from Brazil and Brazil coaching in terms of what the emphasis is, the creativity, creativity versus fitness, as I would probably see a lot of. So like, how did you feel like you kind of were able to take both and to bring into your playing style? Yeah, no, yeah, that, that's a good point. I think, you know, and whenever someone describes me as a player, they always say like very creative player, you know, um, skillful. So I think that's the the Brazilian side of me because of, of, of training in Brazil and, and, you know, learning and watching Brazilian teams all over the years. And then I feel like I, I combine, you know, the American side, college side of, of running and, and always being in the best shape. So I think when those two, you know, collided, I felt like it just made me a really good player because, you know, I would see even even when I played pro, like all the, the, the South American, European guys, they would come into preseason so out of shape, but they were so skillful. So you knew they were going to play. But with me, I was pretty skillful and I was in shape. So that that really, you know, brought my stock up. And walk us through draft day. Bring us through your mindset here. Coming from, like you said, a smaller yeah. college at Stony Brook. Um, I'm not sure how many people have made it pro from there. Maybe you know. Yeah, so me, I think just me and uh, my my younger brother, he plays for North Carolina in League One. So I think it's just us two. But um, that, yeah. But um, I would say, yeah. So my senior year at Stony Brook, I I had a really good year. I was like All American. Uh, we had a really good year that year. I think we won like fourteen something games. Uh, but uh, I was talking to my coach, and he was like. Uh, yeah, you'll definitely get invited to the combine, MLS combine, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, yeah, no problem. And uh, I, I didn't get invited. So I was the only All-American not to get invited to that MLS combine. I think that was just because, you know, small school, not playing in the biggest conference. But for me, like, I, I really didn't care because, like I said, like, uh, all I wanted was one opportunity, one one chance to go to, like, a preseason. And then, even if I didn't get it in the MLS, you know, my dad was going to ship me off to Brazil and I was going to find some way to, to, to make it. But yeah, I was, I was honestly talking to my agent at the time and, and like, we had like nothing. We, we didn't, we didn't know what was going on. And 
And I just remember him saying like, oh, it was a good thing you didn't go to the MLS combine. Everybody over there was was terrible. So all their stock went down. I'm like, oh, okay. You're just trying to make me feel better, you know? And then like the super draft goes and I didn't get picked. And then preseason starts and then supplemental draft is like in four or five days. So I'm like, I'm already behind the, you know, the curve. But that my mindset at that time was like, just just be ready. I was training every day. So um yeah, and then I think like the the supplemental draft started and it's like three or four rounds. So there was six players picked before me. And then in the last round, Philly in the last pick picks me. Last pick. So I'm like, hard, perfect. Like I was, I was, I just remember I was in I was in like our computer room and my parents were in the kitchen because I was like so stressed. I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna get picked, but it's fine. And then finally my name gets picked going to Philly, they picked six players before me. I get a text from like their, I don't know, their their front office guy. He's like, um, do you want to take the train or do you want to still to like get you a flight or something like that? I was like, oh, I'm in Long Island. I could just take the train. So he was like, all right, you got to be here tonight. And I'm like, tonight? Yeah, because preseason's already started. I'm like, all right. So I get there the next day and, you know, start training. And then from like the seven, this. I think it was seven or six guys that they drafted. I was the only one that they signed that, that, that preseason. So, wow. Yeah, it was, it was in my mind, I was like, that's my shot. Like, this is all I need like, to show them that, that I can play. And, you know, like, like I, I'm sure you guys know, like if you get drafted, you're not, you're not on the team. It's just a tryout. So yeah, yeah. that was my, that was my opportunity. And yeah, I was, I was, you know, ecstatic just to, to get an opportunity. And that's what I showed them in, in preseason. That's fascinating because especially them picking six guys before you, I mean, what was your mindset going into this, this trial, this tryout? And how do you feel like, you know, that time seeing what it was like in Brazil kind of helped you to like bring that mindset into this, that I'm going to prove myself or I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Yeah, no, I think, like you said, it's just a, a little bit of everything I, I've taken in, like growing up, um, you know, I was, since I was born in Brazil and raised in, in the U.S., I was able to, to, to really get to know multiple cultures. And I think when that Philly team, there was a bunch of Brazilians and Colombians. So I was able to, like, get to know them and become friends with them. And they would really give me, you know, advice and tell me how to, how to like, make the team rather than some guys were straight from college, like, you know, big time schools and they, they already thought that they, they were going to be on the team. So I think with, with, for myself was really, I got there and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like I'm training with the Philadelphia Union, but I knew that I knew that I can play. I knew that I can, I can make an impact and, and hopefully, you know, make the team. That's fascinating to hear because we've, uh, we've spoken about it many times on this podcast, regardless of the level of, of the team you're going on trial, but there's more to a trial than just performing because the team has to accept you. And like you said, I don't know what they said to you, how to make the team, but I'm sure one of those was you need to befriend players and the players need to gravitate towards you. Yeah. Whether that's just playing a little two touch before training starts, the coaches see this and, yeah. and they make note of that. And I think um, it's huge for you. Like you said, you, you kind of gravitated to these people and got to know them. Were, they, were these some of the things they were telling you to, you know, be friendly, talk to everyone, don't be in your shell. You're not yeah. just because you got drafted. You're not on the team. Like I'm sure the other guys were thinking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think 
yeah, you 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 don't want to be that guy that that the team is like you know hating on or just be like, Yo, look at this guy, like, and you know that can turn so so quickly. Like we've seen it, you know, in in, in my in my locker room, where, where some guy some guy just comes in, he's on trial, and he just has his headphones on the whole time, doesn't doesn't even come and shake everyone's hand. So you notice those things right away. But yeah, for me, I I was just. I've always been a guy that, that can get along with, with a bunch of people no, no problem, but so I think that that really that really helped me. And how do you view your first season where you spent most of the time uh, on the bench, not really getting much playing time? Yeah, yeah, that's where that's where like I, I was. I wish uh, I had, you know, not not any regret, obviously, but I wish I can do a little bit things different. Just because um, you know I was so young, so I I went I, I left Stony Brook when I was twenty. So I was still very young. So which, which, which helps, you know, which helps me a lot, but, you know, I moved to a new city, no, no parents. First time I, I've really truly been alone because I was playing at Stony Brook. My mom and dad would come every week and see me. So it was a very tough uh, transition. Um, and I think that year I, I really had to learn what it took to, to, to stay a pro to, to really, keep working every day you know I was I was always good at getting myself ready for preseason and you know make sure I was in the best shape of my life to go into preseason but I think once I signed that contract I wouldn't say like I was be like oh yes I made it you know what I mean I, I didn't understand that this is just the first step like you we have a long 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 way to go and that year it was really an eye-opening and and I think if if I could you know change things I, I would definitely I would say like just just keep working harder. Don't 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 slow down. And I think the first first two or three months, I that's what I did. I was just I was happy. I was like, oh yes, I, I'm here. But I, I I definitely learned a lot that that first year. Yeah, just like you said, I think these sometimes these these tough situations can make us learn and improve us for the for the future. So, I mean, mentally, what kind of things did you pick up on? Would you say later down in your career, maybe that you kind of took from this tough situation to know that maybe something, a situation would get better or that you had the strength to get through a tough time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, it's all, like you said, I learned what not to do that year. So, so um, I was always on the cusp of making the 18. I would make the 18, but I'd, not, I'd probably play like five, 10 minutes. Um, and the coach would always be like, do you want to play? Do you want to come and be on the bench? Or do you want to, I'm not sure if you're going to be in 18, or I can send you out on loan this weekend and play with, with Harrisburg. That was our affiliate. And I would be like, why would I want to go there? I want to be here with you guys. But that year, I think I played like 10 games, you know? So my development, like from college, I was always playing. And as soon as I, I turned pro, I played 10 games. So boom, skyrocket, you know, the opposite way. So I think, you know how it is this year they, every team has a second team so every every kid is playing you know 20 30 games no matter what no matter what level and i think that's what really hurt you know my 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 start of my career and then you finally began to break into the lineup in that second season uh, scoring twice before going out on loan was there a big difference in the mentality side of it that maybe got you into the lineup yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that season was was a little bit of the same thing, you know. I I feel like it did. It took me. I was still very young. It took me a little bit to to mature and you know start making the right decision. Like 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 I said, I was really good at coming into preseason. I had a great preseason started. I, that's why I started those those uh, first couple games. Um, but then uh, yeah, 
and especially in, in MLS and playing a, as a 10 or a left wing, you, you need to be way better than your competition because your competition is a guy from Europe that they're paying, you know, a lot of money. So I didn't understand that. Um, I thought uh, I made a, I played a pretty good game, had an assist. I'm going to start next week, no matter what. And like that, that wasn't the case. And then when, when, you know, when I start getting benched, uh, just my mind wasn't, wasn't, you know, as, as, as good as it should have been. And I didn't, I didn't take, um, you know, the, the failures as well as I would now, but um, I think it was all, like you said, just a learning curve. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense too. And it, it kind of makes sense for what comes next because um, struggling to get into the lineup a little bit and kind of seeing maybe this is hurting my development. This is when you start to go on loans where you spend some time with, with the affiliate in Harrisburg, there was Cosmos. And so what, I think this, this idea of loan is a very interesting thing because a lot of people don't experience it where you're part of one team, but you're also going to, you know, you have to go perform and be a part of another team too. So it's that balance of trying to produce the best that you can so that you can get back into your former team or mm -hmm. the team that you has loaned you out, but also proving to the guys and to the team that you're on that you're there for the right reasons and you're there to help them. So what was that kind of like, especially in those first years on loan? Yeah, I think well, my, my first two years, they were, it was very difficult because it was one of those like, I'm still in Philly, but for the weekend, they would just send me to Harrisburg. I play a game and then I come back to Philly. So it was like one of those that are like, it's not really a loan. You know what I mean? I'm just, mm -hmm. going, I'm just going over there to play some games. And, you know, young and, and not smart, you're thinking like, I play for Philly. I'm not playing for you guys. I'm over here because, uh, you know, young, stupid things. So that mindset was just terrible and, and toxic. And then my third year, I'm officially going to New York Cosmos the whole year. I'm not, I'm never going, I'm, I hadn't, I didn't even go to Philly that year. So that was like a big, like, you know, a big thing saying, just saying that like, all right, this year I'm committed to New York Cosmos. So that mindset already is different going in. And that really showed because that, that was, you know, one of my best years in my career. Um, and I, what also happened that year was I've played, I played with one of the best players in the world. And I was able to finally learn what it takes to, to be a pro each day. So playing with the likes of like Raul Gonzalez, Marco Senna, some other fantastic players that played in the MLS, those guys were older, more, more, you know, more experienced veterans rather than, then, the, then uh, you know, in Philly, we were young, young guys that, that wanted to go out, play games and, and, you know, just do young things. But that year in the Cosmos, I really learned, you know, it, I took a huge step in, in, in my in my career. And yeah, you won, you won NASL Young Player of the Year that year. Um, actually, the game against NYCFC, I was there with some friends and that game was actually, uh, they'll be excited to hear this, Stockade FC is a team upstate new york they basically created that their club based on that game they were inspired wow. at least to make it happen which is uh shout out dan hoffa and dennis crowley which is pretty yeah. cool but i, I mean that. what is what yeah there you did go. exactly yeah. exactly because yeah, yeah that, that game i actually i was hurt before and then i didn't start that was like so i was like devastated yeah. but I kept pushing kept pushing and then we we're down to zero and then i was able to to make it back and my first touch i scored as soon as i went yeah. in and i remember just going crazy and we we won in penalty kick, so yeah. it was, it was a, that was one of the most my most uh, memorable games. Yeah, packed house, great atmosphere too. It was a good ultra section. 
It's awesome. And and also that's I mean a Hofstra University, that's that's basically where you grew up in this in this region. How is that playing for a now a professional team, but in your your hometown or near your hometown? Yeah, I mean I, I think it I think it helped. You know, having having your parents close by, they they'll they'll keep you level headed and if I needed anything, they they would come help me. Like I said, in my first two years I I, I was living you know, with a roommate from Columbia that was also 21 and he's been a pro for like four years, but he wouldn't, he was not helping me at all. You know, so I think, yeah, having my, my the family close by, uh, I was rooming with, um, with some close friends that, like Jimmy Mulligan and some other, some other Long Island guys. So it was, it was very helpful. I felt a little bit more comfortable. And, and then, like I said, the locker room with that, that was, a, that was a team team, you know, like those guys were ballers. They, they've played at the highest level. They knew what it takes to win and, and help young players. So it, I owe them a lot, you know, in my career. Yeah. I'd love to speak about this development period. Cause it does, I mean, from how you speak, just spoke about it, it seems like this was one of those really important years for, for yourself as a player and for your probably your development off the pitch too. So what, things necessarily do you feel like you could take into the game that led that to be one of your breakout years yeah just playing just playing on this uh, like right next to raul raul gonzalez so <laughs> he makes anybody uh look better next to him so yeah i can remember just just things playing playing with him and, and really just his he he for for instance he's not the strongest he's not the fastest i don't know if you guys remember him playing but he was the smartest player on the field. He knew exactly what he was going to do with the ball at, at all times. So I, I really related with him because I'm not the strongest, I'm not the fastest, but if I can, you know, just pick up the right spots and, and get in those situations. So I was really just trying to to do, you know, everything I can to, to soak up all the, all the, you know, the advice that, that he gave me. So he was a big part. And then, Really, just uh, all those other guys on the team that they were they were so so impact impactful on my uh, career. I'm curious to to just hear about Raul's interaction with the team because a big name comes like this and he comes in and plays in the NW, NASL. Sorry, what was his interaction like in terms of training and games and off the field? Was he kind of was he always around? Was he kind of just coming in and out? Uh, I think that's just like a a curious thing for me. Oh yeah, he he was he was always around, and you okay. you would be shocked how how these guys like international superstars and really like the most nicest people. His wife, all his kids, like he. So he lived. I forgot exactly where he lived. I think it was like somewhere in in Huntington, the other mansion. Man, I I don't know if it was <laughs> or he was ranting ranting. Out, but he would like invite us all to like a team barbecue, and like we we're playing seven v seven. Uh, um, two-hand touch football in his backyard that's how big his backyard was damn but yeah he was an unbelievable guy and I think like I didn't I didn't realize it until for preseason we went to Hong Kong and when we landed in Hong Kong the whole airport was packed just to see him like literally 20,000 people and you know he you forget that he played in you know in, with the Galacticos in, in Madrid with him Beckham R9 so yeah he's a big deal and, and I mean I didn't know no I mean I knew he was a big deal but I didn't know how much of a big deal until like you, you start you know playing with him and traveling with him so crazy I mean he I believe he was second in Bologna Dora that year in 2001 maybe yeah. and then he's playing like for New York Cosmos in the NA, NASL at Hofstra yeah. University it's like 
crazy. Crazy. I, I mean, it's I was, great for you that you were able to play with him. Yeah, I was with him the day uh, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo broke his uh, Champions League record. Oh, and really? I, I can tell. Like, he was a little bit sad, but then he's also like, oh, he deserves it. Like, he's going to do it no matter what. So, but yeah. I was, we were watching the game together. And yeah, no, just what, what a guy, man. You look over and there's just like one tear coming out yeah. of his eye, just like trying to cover it up. Yeah, he was like, it, it was good while it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you got to know it's kind of coming with that. Yeah. But uh, I mean, just to, to come back a little bit, um, we talked a little bit about the the seasons now and playing out of position a little bit and kind of finding your way back into this 10 role where you felt so comfortable. How do you feel like playing those other positions and having that awareness of maybe different areas on the pitch and stuff how do you feel like that kind of made you a better 10 yeah I um you know that's a good question too but I, I would say you know just just being able to to get pick up the ball in different spots of the field you know get really really comfortable on the left hand side cutting in and then cutting back out to get across you know, or, or if I pick up the ball on the right side I'm, I'm really good at cutting in and either hitting a shot with my left or combining with, with the forward so I think, you know, in, in, in today's game, every 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 team is built different. So you're not gonna you're not gonna see the same defense, every, you know, every every game. So I believe it, with the coach this year, he gave me the freedom to pick up the spots where where I would be most dangerous. So and, and being a smart player, being a, a, a guy that recognizes the spaces, I, I think that, that those uh, you know early years really helped me out. Now coming up on your eleventh season. What is some advice you'd give to some young bowlers coming up? Yeah, really, just just keep 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 at it, man. You know, you never know what the year is going to be like. Like if I told you before, you know, this this past season that I was going to win MVP, like I'd be like, yeah, no chance, you know. But I I, I honestly I believed it in myself, but you, you I didn't think I was going to be playing a ten, but. Mm -hmm. Really, you you never know. You just need that one opportunity. You need that one coach to be like Leo. Like you know, this is this is your chance. Just just keep at it. I believe in you, and you just never know what's gonna happen. As long as you're you're ready, as long as you're you're prepared, that's all that's all you can you can you can ask for. And I guess this kind of comes off of it, but is a little bit more personally directed. So, just reflecting on the journey up until this point, what things would you say helped you to get to this moment? So. Really, why did Leo Fernandez make it? Yeah, I think for me, for me, like I said, I I, I believe that I never, with all the all the failures, all the setbacks, it just made me push even harder. Um, people people say like, oh, you've been in Tampa for seven years, like it's probably been so easy for you, and it's honestly, it's not. It's like every year is a different different story. Every year I, we've had different you know, things that we have to go through. And I think what, what, what really, really changed the course of my career in, in Tampa was 2020, we uh, were going into playoffs and, and in 2019, 2020, I've started like every game and I had like a couple of bad games in a row before going into playoffs. And, and I haven't played in a playoff game yet because uh, 2019, I got hurt. So I didn't get to experience that. And then the first game of the playoffs, well, the week leading up to, to playoffs, uh, I got benched. And I'm like, I've never been benched before. I didn't, I don't know how to deal with this, especially in Tampa. And like I, I just remember like not being able to sleep, 
just calling calling my agent calling my friends and my wife and just be like i'm out like uh, like tampa doesn't want me anymore and you know I, I stuck with it and that that week like it just kept working harder i'm like all right i'm, I'm either going to keep working harder or just going to be like all right i'm done and, and find another usl team or whatever wherever i want to play but you know i kept i kept sticking with it kept sticking with it it made me work even harder that week and then I come off the bench and, and I score a goal. So like those little moments that people from the outside don't see it, they just think like, oh, he's, he's not playing. But those, that like really ate me inside. And then from 2021 season to 2022, I'm, I'm training that way every week now because I'm like, I might get benched. You know, I don't want to get benched anymore. So I have to keep performing, even though I just scored two goals, you know, in the game before, like probably not going to get benched, but like. I can't have a bad a bad training session. I can't have a bad game because I don't want to get benched anymore. So I think that was a big eye opening for me. And that was, to be honest, that was my seven yeah. seasons. Like I feel like I should know that, but you you're never too old to to realize that. Yeah, and it's never too late for reality to just you know put your feet back on the ground. Exactly. Yeah. And I whenever whenever somebody asks me about that that situation, I always tell them it was honestly the best thing that could have happened happened to me because. It took me what I was thinking. I was thinking I was training really hard and playing well, but in, in reality, I wasn't. And there was another level that I can reach. Love that. And with that, let's jump into some fast feet rounds, some quick fire questions and wrap this up. So favorite player growing up? Uh, Ronaldinho and Kaká. Favorite moment? I, you don't have to decide. There's no one. No one should be <laughs> making you decide between Ronaldinho and Kaká. Yeah. Ever. But I played against Kaká, so that's what that I probably would pick Kaká. I met him. He's a good guy. Yeah. Wow. Favorite moment in football? Oh man, I would say this this year we I scored in in the semifinal. I scored a game winning penalty kick in in the 98th minute to to set us to go to the final. And yeah, well, the 90th minute we no 95th minute. We gave up a penalty. Keeper saves it. And then we go right down the, to the other end and we get a penalty kick. So it oh was my like, God. So it's yeah. a turn of emotions. Bro, it was unbelievable. And I'm like, all right, perfect. And then I score and then we won the game. Yeah, that was probably my favorite moment so far. And then 20, I don't know, 2022 or 2021, sorry. We're down two goals to Louisville in the Eastern Conference Final with five minutes left. One of our boys, uh, uh, Lucky, comes off the bench. First touch, scores a goal. 95th minute, ties it up. 2-2, and then we won in overtime. So that was unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. So those are probably the two that stick out. All in the name, Lucky. It's all in the name. Yeah. yeah. He played He played with you at Cosmos, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a legend. I remember his name. Yeah. Most difficult moment? Um, the one I, I, I told you guys before, the one with uh, getting benched right before playoffs and, you know, not having to deal with that. And the fact that I never played a playoff game may, probably made it worse and that it wasn't just like a regular season. So I was I was I remember sleepless nights, couldn't sleep, but it only it only made me better. Um, and then another one that I can think of is, is in Philly, you know, my my last year in Philly, my fourth year. Uh, had another good preseason. Started the first game, we 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 lost, but had a good game. Started the second game in Columbus. We beat Columbus, and it was the first time Phillies ever beat Columbus. And then the third game, get benched, and you know, just thinking like, oh, here we go again. But kept at it, kept at it. Come off the bench and have an assist. And then in the fourth game, not in the 18. 
So like those moments, like I remember that one was like, ah, what? There's nothing else I can do. I'm not gonna play in Philly. So I think though that was a very tough moment to get get through. But uh, that those moments, like I said, only only get me stronger. Best advice you ever received? Um, yeah, I would say from from my boy, you know, Raul. <laughs> Just really, you know, keep getting in those those positions that. You know, for players like like me, like that, I'm not the fastest or the strongest, but get in those half spaces and keep learning every day from from you know players that that are at the highest level, and you can do the same thing in, in, on the, on the pitch. Favorite place you've lived? I would say here, Saint Saint Petersburg, Florida. Uh, it's beautiful, beautiful, a little hot. Yeah, but no, yeah, I can't, I cannot complain. Uh, this is this is an unbelievable place, and I've been lucky to live here the past seven years. Best player you ever played against? Played against, I would say, probably Thierry Henry. Wow. When he was in Pretty good. You don't realize how big he is until you're playing against him. And I'm I'm pretty tall. I'm like 6'1". And this dude was 6'4". Just solid, man. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize he was 6'4". Yeah, he, he had to be six four because I'm looking up like this, and I'm pretty yeah. tall, and I'm yeah. like, and this guy can move still. <laughs> yeah, imagine his prime. Exactly, insane. Yeah. Best yeah. player you've ever played with? I think we know the answer to that one. Yeah, Raul Gonzalez. Oh, just it's great. I love how you said my boy Raul too. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I have a good, good, solid five though, Raul. I'll go Raul. Marco Senna played for Villarreal, won the Euros. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, Cleberson, he he won the World Cup of Brazil Yeah. in 2002. He's the one that assisted Ronaldo in the final. He's not mm-hmm. a big but he signed. So he signed to Man U the same time with Cristiano Ronaldo. So yeah, that's his like story. Him and Ronaldo are opposing. So Ronaldo's here. Ferguson and it's Cleverson. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I remember the photo. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. They, he just, and it didn't work out, but he was still unbelievable. Um, oh, yeah. And then in my, in my fifth, I would put Il- Ilsenio. He played in Philly and he also played for Shakhtar, won the UEFA in Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm, yeah. The best 1v1 uh, dribbler yeah. I've ever seen in my life. The best, like, hands down. Yeah. yeah, that's a crazy five. No one's ever coming with a five. That before, is, and I think that that's crazy. That's there being damn. any five five. This podcast is brought forward. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, because I some I forgot who I, I did one before, and they asked me, and it was so hard to to give like just one, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> if you weren't a footballer, what would you be, or a soccer player? Yeah, man, I don't, I don't. That's I I I'd have to be something with soccer, man. I I you know either coach or, or you know. The front office, uh, soccer's all, all I've known since since I was like two or three. So that's a tough question. Plan A is Plan A, right? You don't need it. Yeah. You don't need Plan B if you focus exactly. on Plan A. No, uh, yeah. My honestly, my college coach still like he still gets so mad at me. My because my my so I played four years at, at um, Stony Brook, but my mm-hmm. junior year, I'm not my junior, sorry, my senior year, after the season was done, in my mind I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go pro, like. I'm not going to do any more schoolwork. Like, so I was in the morning training and then I go home and not go home, go back to my, my dorm room, take a nap. And then at night, just like go back to the gym or play pickup again. 
like my coach was like, why didn't you go to school? Why didn't you go to any classes? And my coach was like, I have to go pro. Like there's no other option. Like this, this degree and whatever I'm taking is not going to help me at all. I, that's the young, you know, mindset that, that I had. Obviously I'm paying for it now. I'm back in school now, but I would say it's been worth it. Yeah. You have any favorite books? Favorite books? Um, um, I, I love Shoe Dog. Um, but I'm a big Nike guy. Um, but other than that, that though, probably Shoe Dog was it was my favorite book that that I've read recently. Any quote or mantra that you live by? Uh, yeah, so pretty simple ones, but I feel like they're they're so you know effective. Is it, really you know, always work hard and then be the hardest working person in the room. And then my, my, my freshman and senior, my freshman in, in, in uh, sophomore year in college, he, our coach, he would always say, figure it out, you know? So like, if there's a problem, you, he would just be like, figure it out, like no excuses. So I think I, I, I've always lived by that. Cause when I was younger, I would give a bunch of excuses like, Oh, I can't go to practice. I, you know, my mom's working. And, you know, ever since then, I, I'm, ever since I went to college, I'm like, Oh, I got to figure it out. I, 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 I got to get to practice somehow, take the train or something. So I think those two is like always work hard and, and figure it out. And, you know, it, it's taken me to, to where I'm at today. Yeah, some crazy heights, Leo. We really thank you for coming on. Uh, great talk. Can't wait to share this with everyone. And we can't wait to see what the next season, you know, always going up. Can't wait to see what the next one brings for you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Another great episode. Strong Island representing, as always. Very strong throughout Super the leagues. Strong. I mean, it's so cool too. like, just we talked about it a few times is that, you know, at 30, he wins an MVP award, most valuable player of the season 2022 for the USL. And so like 10 years in the league, he came out of college at 20 to be 10 years in the USA, different teams, different situations. And to really be coming into like a new stride and unlocking new potential is something that I think everyone needs to take in because we all think like there's this shelf life as a player, right? And if you haven't done your best by 25 or 26, that you're never going to, or if you haven't, not even if you've done your best, but if you haven't hurt, hit a certain level of your potential at 25, 26, that you're never going to hit these crazy heights. And just look at a guy like Leo who has probably his best season at 30 and still his mindset is I need to get better for next year. Like I can do this for more years. I can repeat that. I can get better. I can improve. I can improve mentally. There's things outside the field I can improve. So it's something that like, even for guys like Sean and I, like I love taking that away because I feel like I'm coming into my prime. I feel like I haven't hit potential like lines that, you know, maybe society or the soccer world has put out for me and says, Oh, you should have, you know, this is your ceiling. So I, it's just great for me on a personal level to, to go into the mind and kind of hear some things. And from, from a guy who's arguably had his best year at 30, which I think yeah. is amazing. Exactly. It's great to hear because I think, I mean, we both know and believe that we are still able to get better and we are getting better. Mm -hmm. So to see just the proof is in the pudding with him. It's his 10th season, 30 years old, he has his best season. Mm -hmm. And like he even said, you just have a little bit of run of form and you just keep the form going. You never know what can happen. And for him yeah. this year, he also played as many, uh, the most games he's ever played. 
So also staying healthy, taking care of your body, that also plays a big part is when you're in that run of form, not to get a muscle injury or get sick, whatever it is that puts you out and then takes you out of form. So happy for him, happy to see him. And it's, I mean, inspiring to see that, yeah, he's he's been doing it for 10 years. He had a pretty rough start in the beginning. Then he winds up playing with Raul, who almost won the Lone d'Or at New York Cosmos, which is completely random. Funny story, I believe. This could be this could be fake, but I believe Raul thought the Cosmos were going into the MLS. And when he signed, I heard that too. He like I'm not sure if that's real, that but that's regardless. Either way, it's, it's amazing that such a player that was playing with the best in the world, then you can learn from. And also in a position where Leo's playing with him. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like he's playing left wing and that someone's a right back. You know, he's playing next to Raul and they play similar styles. Like he was saying, they're not the fastest, not the strongest, but they pick up the weird spaces that the defenders and opponents don't know how to mark them or when to go, when not to go. And also playing with players like Joe Cole later on in his career, same similar position at the time was one of the best players in the world. And here you go. You can learn from him at, mm-hmm. at a, earlier point in your career i mean i think it's awesome what a five he put out though like that's that was what a five i was really hyped to hear that five and just tactically thinking about where we're going to put them and everything but another great thing and another great area he touched on later on in the episode is this i mean he was later on in his career and he's learning things that you know these setbacks like not playing or getting benched at these times i think that's another important thing for someone to realize in this career is like the setbacks don't just happen in the beginning and then it's like, you know, smooth and you know how to deal with everything because there's always going to be a new challenge or a new issue or problem or a way that, you know, is challenging for you to deal with. And that was one thing that was challenging for him to deal with was, you know, getting benched at this important time. He never really understood that and didn't really know how to cope with it. And, you know, reached out to his support system, which I think is a a major thing that everyone should be doing in these kind of areas when they don't know how to navigate these waters. But it's just a great point that later on in his career, something like this that he had no idea how to deal with can come up. And the same things have happened for Sean and I, you know, later on in our careers, like you get this setback and you're like, you know, damn it, I thought I was through these things, but they're always going to come. They're always going to challenge you. And it's just good to know that, you know, from the past experiences, that you can always get through them because you've gotten through the other ones. You can get through this one too. Yeah. And with that, I think, um, yeah, very happy to talk to Leo. In terms of the footwork merch, this is now a few weeks after that was released. It seems to be a successful release. We do maybe have a few sizes left. You're going to have to go check that out at footwork.club slash shop. You'll find it there. <laughs> maybe. And there is uh, something new in the works, you know, as always. We have, uh... <laughs> we're, tease, we're teasing the... Uh, we're teasing immediately. The late winter spring line or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be, we back. we'll be back. We'll, we'll be back. and We'll come in with more larges and XL. Sorry, guys. Yeah. It happens. You got to learn. Roll with the punches. Free support, though, please, everywhere. And if you're on Spotify and you haven't rated us yet, please go do that. It's kind of a newer feature, so get those ratings up. All that free support helps us immensely. Just liking a reel, liking a TikTok, all that stuff. Like, you know, trying to build this, building it together. The community is forever growing, but, you know, just take that second. It means the world to us. And with that, until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning. And make your own path.
Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands that make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine (laughs) 